Welcome to another episode of Eat, Chit, and Dice, a fortnightly podcast about board games and sometimes food. I'm Jared, and Jondi's here too. Say hi, Jondi. Hi, Jondi. Today we're talking about Will Smith's 1999 classic, Wild Wild West. Wicky, wicky, wild, wild west. Okay, so um, Jondi and I did not watch the movie before this episode of the podcast. I feel like it was a missed opportunity. Um, or, but, or was it? Um, so here's what I know about Will Smith's 1999 classic. I haven't seen Wild it in a long West. time. I've seen it before. Um, despite what I tell people and what lots of people believe, um, there's the giant robot fight, the, the spider, spider robot, the big spider robot. Yeah. Um, the bad guy that's in a wheelchair does not get spider legs. I've, yeah, I've, right, because, like, I honestly, because I even, I've seen the movie, and I remember, I thought I remembered spider legs, but you are absolutely right. He does he not does get not the spider legs. Get spider he legs. His wheelchair does not have spider legs. It does not. And in my head, I picture that, like, so perfectly. Uh-huh. But you are right. It so does not. So, the movie Wild Wild West is based off an old TV show. Uh, I don't, we're not really what? doing, <laughs> we're not really doing a movie, like, a we're Wild not? Wild No. So I don't oh, think it matters man. really about the movie. We just okay, fine, yeah, fine, yeah. fine. We're talking about um, some Wild West games. Is that better? Yes. Is that more yes. accurate? It, I think it, I think it is more. It's just we have trouble saying Wild Wild West without going Wild Wild West. I mean, I don't have that. I I don't have that problem. That particular yeah, problem. The song pops into my head every time we say the term Wild Wild West. But um, yeah, let's just jump right in there. Okay. Um, let's uh, let's do that. Yes, we can start out by talking about End of the Trail, that is from Elf Creek Games, and it's a really really simple game. I, I would I would call it an entry level game as far as like if you're like going to be wanting to teach a new game to people that aren't board gamers, this is this is a good one for that. It's really easy. It's a very simple um, simple mechanics. There's nothing like difficult to a turn so yeah but i think it's it's a pretty cool game um basically there's there's a grid a tile a grid tile that's out and you uh are trying to go you're trying to like claim different prospects i guess is that yeah so it's the it's the california gold rush yeah and so you're staking your claim. You're you're a gold prospector. Yeah, it's which a I guess is not exactly game. wild 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 west. It's in that, but it's close enough. Though. It's close enough that there were some other games that we uh, looked at for this episode, and we decided they fit better. We didn't in some want other to play them. <laughs> but so uh, it's a press your luck game. You you go to a prospect based on um, whether like how far you're allowed to go in that turn, and you're gonna look at it, and it'll have a number on it. You can either decide that you want to claim that one or you decide that you want to try to get a higher number. But if you flip over a different tile and it's equal to the one you had or lower, you have to stick with the one that's equal to or lower. So it's kind of a press your luck. That's the press your luck part. Yeah. Um, There's also some poker in it. So each turn that you play, you're going to be playing a card out of your hand. And the cards that you actually play, you're going to keep to try to build the best possible poker hand at the end of the game. Yeah, so... uh, Sometimes you might play a card in hoping, oh, I'm going to play this and then I'm going to look at that tile and then this card will trigger and I can move to another tile and you end up screwing yourself over a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. But But if you've played a good set of cards to go into this poker hand, then yeah, like honestly, that's better. 
It's a good trade-off. You really want to balance out, like when you're selecting what cards you're going to use in your turn, you also really want to think about the poker hand that you're building. So you might play a card that isn't as helpful in your turn, but it's going to help you build like an awesome poker hand. So it's really that that choice is a little bit of a balancing um, a balancing act, basically. So, I mean, there's really not a lot to the game. There's a little bit of memory. Uh, the BGG well, right, says auction. Because you got to remember what. Got to remember what numbers they are. Um, the BGG says auction and bidding, but I don't really, I don't really feel like I don't there's. Know that I agree with I, that. I kind of disagree with that one, but it does have a modular board. It is a press your luck, um, it, set collection ish. If you want to say, you know, the the poker hand that you're building is slightly in that vein, but it's basically just. Uh, a press your lock game and i like it it's not going to be the top of my list of more games to play like i'm not going to go oh let's play but it's it's a it's a fun game and i believe jared and i both have the kickstarter edition that has like uh extra meeples and um no i don't have all all those extra oh, okay. parts well i've got extra meeples and like a cloth uh, board that you can put your grid on and so the one thing i find that i like aesthetically about the game is something that's basically superfluous but uh usually i don't like box sleeves because i'm basically going to open the game and i'm going to throw the box sleeve out the box sleeve for this however just has a really fun stupid design um it comes with wagon wheels that you then attach to the to the box sleeve when you open the game and the wagon wheels actually turn and they're on both sides of the box. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything. No, but... it does nothing. It's still just a, a box sleeve. And I think if you play the game a whole bunch, or depending on how you store it, eventually those wagon wheels are probably going to fall off. But I think it's fun. It's a really neat design choice that they that they made there. And I, I, I do... I think I like it more than Jondi likes it. But maybe that's just me. I, I do appreciate that there are some components that are not strictly necessary. I think they had extra room on the punch board and they were like, well, it's going to cost us X amount of dollars for this size yeah. cardboard anyway. So whatever. So there's some meeples that you don't absolutely need. Yeah. If you get them, if you have the meeple set, but they're so adorable. There's like a little cow and oh, it's a not, little... no, it's not a cow. It's, it's there's oxen, a mule and a, wagon. And a horse. And then yeah, the covered wagons Yeah, yeah. because the main mechanic here of how you can move is based on whether or not you play an oxen. Yeah, or how far up you can go up the mountains, I guess, yeah. or how far. Or far, far out. So, you like, can if you travel. have the oxen, you can go to the first two rows. If you have the mule, well, the mule can go a little bit farther down the trail, so he can go to the third. And if you've played the horse, you can go to the fourth. So there's only three. No, there's four. I'm looking at a layout right now. Uh huh. Are you sure you're looking at a three? Are you looking at a three-player layout? Oh, I might. And you're be looking, looking at it sideways because yes. Yes, you're right. It's three across. It's uh. There's uh, always it's four, four up. Yeah. But if you're playing with like two players, you you'll do two columns. If yeah, you're playing yeah. with four players, you'll you'll yeah put out four columns. Correct. Um, and it's I, I also the little uh, the meeples that you play with are all screen printed. Uh, if you have the meeple set, and I, I, I'm a sucker for fun meeples, and I like the fact that they're screen printed instead of putting stickers on them. So, that's you know, John D, at, at one well. point, and um, we'll have to redo it at some point. I, I made a video for this, but it was during the time that our website wasn't syncing YouTube videos correctly. Aha! Uh -huh. So, um, don't go looking for that because it's gone. But maybe one day we'll redo it. I bet they'd like that. 
Yeah, maybe. I think we talked about this when it was on Kickstarter. I don't remember. I don't remember either. We might have. I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad I have it, and I would definitely play it again. So you have the deluxe edition. I do. Yes. So you have like actual little pieces. They're not real gold, but like little nuggets. Little gold little, nuggets. Little, little gold nugs. Yeah. Which you know they don't add anything to the no. game, but it's it's a nice. They're hefty. They're nice components. And um, it uh, comes you have with a poker like a, chip too, right? Yeah, I have uh, a poker chip for the first player token. It has like a little metal like prospector's bowl to put the to keep the gold in. Um, it's got like a canvas. Oh yeah, you have the map. I have the canvas map. Yeah. And then the, the all the little meeples, the screen printed meeples. And I I know that we talked about how it uses poker as a. I mean, a, a, a sort of large component of the game. If if you don't know how poker hands work, don't worry. There's cheat cards. Yeah. There's a, well, yeah. There's a list. Yes. So. Yes. There's a little card, the reference card that tells you how to build a how poker to poker, hand. <laughs> and and it tells you which kind of hand beats what. So. Yeah. It's okay if you don't know how to play poker. You can learn by playing this game, sort of. So yeah, I I would suggest that if you're looking for a press your luck game. Uh, and you like the theme idea, definitely give this one a try. Although I can't recommend putting the wagon wheels actually on. I mean, Jondi did it with hers, but... They won't stay, like, depending on no. how you store them. But I do think that it was a fun little design choice that you just don't see yeah. very often. Uh, and I really think it's because they had extra... They were like, well, we're, we've already paid for this punch nope. board. No, um, no, because the guys were telling me that they just thought it would be really fun because like the owner of the company actually was saying that he he does not like board box sleeves either. They came up with this idea specifically for the game and went to their factory and said, is this something that we can even do? And the factory was like, yeah, 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 we can do this. So it, it was it was a specific choice that they wanted to hmm. they wanted to make was the story I was told. Well, that's a, I mean, it's an interesting choice. I mean, I don't, I love the idea of it. It's neat. I mean, there's it's but still they just a, it's still are just a box. absolutely going to break. Oh yeah, <laughs> and it's still just a box sleeve. So, well, cool. And that is into the trail. You should be able to get a copy of this fairly yeah. easily. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they're, if they're in general distribution, but if they're not, uh, they have a website that you can. I'm pretty sure you can purchase from, and they go to a lot of conventions and a lot of the regional shows that you'll see them at. So. Yep, so check it out. Moving on to Montana, which also yes. has a box sleeve. Yes, it does. Um, Montana is from White Goblin Games. Um, uh, well, actually, originally, it's, uh, here in the States, it's from Big Kid Games. Yes. And Montana is... I liked it a lot. Uh, it's a... Set collection worker placement game. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, Jared, do you want to tell about it a little bit? Um, it has a spinner, one of my least favorite components in any games. Yeah, and spinners always don't work the way you want them to. But the, the, the spinner is not, it's not for moving. It's for collecting workers. Um, because you, I mean, you do have a worker that's your color, but it's only used for one specific thing. But the color of the workers actually match the resources. So if you want to, let's say, get some miners to go get some some mining done, um, what are those, the black meeples? I think so. Because they're like coal? Yep. Um, or stone, I don't know. And if you want some clay, I believe it's clay, you got these little 
they're like red. They're like a reddish brown. Yeah. Uh, you want some corn or wheat? I don't. I think it was wheat. You got to send grain. It's grain. grain. Whatever. You got to well, send the yellow they needles. Call it, but it's a grain. If you want pumpkins, oh, oh boy. Send the orange ones. Can you believe it? <laughs> right. Um, and then there's this like auctiony thing that you can actually do with a meeple of your color. But most well, of what the you're doing. Well, the auction thing, I took advantage of that and yeah, it was you very did that. helpful. I, I never did. Uh, the Jared auction. never took advantage of it, but I did and I found it to be very helpful. Most of what you're doing is collecting resources so that you can expand your settlement to claim tiles. Mm-hmm. And as you claim tiles, you're. You you're know, trying to be the first person to, cl- to use all of your tiles from your from your res- from your supply your pool of them. Yeah. And the first person to use all of them wins the game. But it, you can't just claim an area until you have the right resources to claim. Like there'll be like an area where you need two red guys and one. Um, I don't know, the yellow, yellow guy or whatever. So there's yeah, there's. Um, I guess we should look at uh, actually look at what these resources are called, huh? If we're gonna this this is, ugh. Um. Well, you know what? It's not listed here. It's so. not. But you know, so like some of them will. Oh, um, like some of them will require like three stone, or one of them will require one pumpkin and and two stone, or two stones and a sheep. Um. So you have to collect those resources in order to claim hexagons on the board with your with your tiles so and the and the the board is modular so it's going to be different every time you set it up as far as what types of settlement like settlement claims are where so there are grain pumpkins copper and stone and the copper and stone has larger versions that you can upgrade to, and you have to do that for some of them. Some for tiles a few require of the claims, yeah. a large And they tile. aren't, and it's not like just, well, the bigger one is five of the smaller ones. It's they're completely different yeah. resources. So So what you're doing is based on the number of players you have, you build you build your landscape and then you expand from the starting tile. And yes, as Johnny was saying, you have to trade in those resources to build a settlement there. And thematically, I'm not sure exactly what's going on there. Cause I feel like it's, you're trading for the, for the land ownership. Okay. So I'm, I'm giving you two pumpkins and now I own this land. Well, maybe two bushels of pumpkins, two bushels of pumpkins for all this land. I mean, land wasn't as Aurora Borealis at this time of day in this part of the country localized entirely within this hexagon. Yeah, I mean, okay, so thematically on the on uh, White Goblin Games' website, it says, um, it says um, the number of settlements is growing and the demand for goods is rising. Oh, okay. Um, so you're, okay. Recruit, you're trying to recruit workers to deliver goods to those settlements on time. So, I, I, so if you're not buying the property, you're delivering goods to that settlement, and I guess then... Okay, so you're not, you're not, you have nothing to do with the, the landowner part of this. Nope, you are... Uh, it says halfway through the 19th century, the first permanent settlements appear in Montana. After this, many fortune seekers travel to the region with their caravans in search of work and building a better future for themselves. So you're trying to be able to plant your caravan in those settlements, basically. Hmm. Thematically. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You just got to spin the spinner and get two workers based on what the colors are. And you could either claim a settlement 
Or you can do like one of the things where you're earning more pumpkins or you're uh, getting one of the goods. So there's, you know, there's choices that you make in a turn. And if you take the work action, actually, this this works really interestingly. So some of the tiles, not all, or the spaces in the worker placement board don't necessarily have to match the workers. You can pay an yes. additional worker to, to bypass pay. it. Yeah, so like if I'm trying to get uh, the grain and I don't have the amount of workers, like if I don't have a grain worker, I can pay two of like stone workers to get the grain for me instead of just one grain worker. Because they're not as as good at it. They're, yeah. they're not as good at the job. But I th- yeah, I thought that was a really cool mechanic, especially if, if things are starting to ramp up in the game and you really need to claim some settlements. So you really need these things. So it's, it's, I think it's a really cool handy mechanic. I liked it. The, the, I, I didn't ever, I never used the, the like auction area. I did though. I used it, it just a couple didn't times. seem as useful to me to do that stuff versus like just getting the workers, putting them there, get your resources, use your right. resources to build your settlements, to I expand liked, your territory. I to liked win. being able to spend the pumpkins to trade resources for, for other stuff. And I actually did twice got the bigger resources so I could claim yes. the settlements with the big, cause that was the only way to get the big resources. Yeah. But the, the way that I was building the direction that I was going, I didn't need you didn't any need of those. Them. But I you just blocked needed... me from going that direction. Well. So I had to go the other direction. <laughs> I did get in your way. You're correct. I really liked this game a lot. Uh, I like worker placements anyway. And, you know, it's not always fun to play worker placements against Jared because he's super good at them. But I I, I find it fun anyway. I really, really like worker placements. And this was one that I enjoyed quite a bit. Yeah, if it just didn't have the spinner. I mean, I guess you could replace the spinner with a D8. Yeah, in theory you could. I mean, they could have done a custom D8. Yeah, they could have. Would have been more expensive, but yeah, the spinner sucks, and you have I had to keep messing with the yeah, arrow so that it good. would spin right. Um, that was my least favorite component of the game, but it did not change my enjoyment of the game itself. No, the game itself was still fine. I just I don't think that I've ever played a game with a good spinner. No, I don't think they exist. I mean, like the 1960s version of Life. The spinner is awesome. Oh, yeah, But yeah, the yeah. game sucks. The, yeah, but that, that was a cool spinner. But a spinner like that would be fairly expensive. Yeah, I would think so. You could probably 3D print something yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Or you could just... Use the life spinner. <laughs> what you could do is get a D8, put numbers on the spinner... And then just roll a D8. And roll a D8. You could do that. And then you wouldn't have to play with it. The spinner was crap. The spinner... Was not good. I feel like there's several times that we probably would have gotten the workers we were looking for if we weren't flicking a spinner that didn't right. spin very good. Because the rule is like, for the spin to count, it has to go around at least once. But oftentimes you'd flick it and it would be like, oh. I'm just going to move two spots. So. It didn't. Uh... But yeah, actually, Johnny, that was another cool thing. You could spend resources to. To this, move further around. This would on... not work on the D8. Correct. Well, well if you had you the would D8 just, with the to, reference. It would, it would be just be like, spend this to move up or down yeah. by this much. So you could spend resources to essentially move the spinner clockwise a little bit. So like, yeah. if you, the thing that you needed was the next space over, you could upgrade to the thing that you actually need. 
Yeah, and even, that cool. would totally work. Like if you just have the spinner reference there and you number them, then you can still be like, well, yeah, I need to spend this much more and I'd get what I want. So I still, I would highly suggest just putting numbers on your spinner if you if you get this game and just use a D8 because the spinner sucks. Well, I mean, the spinner that I have sucks. Maybe they fixed Most it since Most spinners then, are crappy. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to hold my breath. No. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a good spinner. Like, ever. Other than, like you said, in the game of life. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's a great game. And I would say people should give it a try, especially if you like worker placements. Okay, so now we're getting into an interesting an area here. Uh, how do you want to do this? Do you want to just talk about them and then Let's compare just and mention- contrast? Uh, the two games we're going to talk about, and okay. then we can highlight each one. Um, well, we're going to talk about Western Legends, and we're also going to, and that's from uh, Colossal Games. And we're also going to talk about Spurs, A Tale in the Old West from Mr. B Games. Mm-hmm. And the reason that we're kind of lumping this together is we feel like both games are very, very similar. Now, I like one more than the other. As do I. We'll get to that. We'll, <laughs> we'll deal with that. So we'll start with Western Legends. That one has been pretty popular. Uh, uh, the last, like ever since it came out, I'm not sure where it is on the BGG hotness list. At one point it was on the hotness list. I don't know if it still is. It's rank right now is, uh, about 350 overall. And then thematic it's in the top hundred. Yeah. So it's, it's it's a popular game. And I, you know, a lot of people have been playing it, uh, especially when it first came out. So, you know, we definitely weren't going to do this, this theme without playing Western Legends. Yeah. So uh, let me pull up my Western Legends. So on Western Legends, it's kind of a game with a lot of little... Pull up your notes. Yeah. They, they call it an open world sandbox tabletop adventure. Yeah. And I think that's really... I think that's fair. Fair to say. That. So basically... Because you can just kind of go around however you want to and do yeah. whatever thing you want to do. Yeah. You assume the roles of actual historical figures. So there's... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing because... My uh, husband, once we played the game with the historical figures in it, every Wild West game that we played after that, he was like, these are real people. So... And so when we played another one today, he was like, I really like how these are real people in the game. So yeah, I think when he first said it, he was confusing them because we had been playing so many of these. Yeah, but then after we were like, "What are you talking about?" He he, I doubled. He absolutely doubled down. He realized like he he doubled down on it. It was great. Yeah. So in 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 Western Legends, you play as like Annie Oakley. Uh, Well, who are some of the other ones? Um, Is Annie Oakley one of them? Yeah, she was. Yeah, Annie Oakley was one of them. Um, Here we go. You found a you found a list? No. Nope. I thought I had. Well, John D. Dang. Here that's, we go. That's uh, like there's Annie Oakley, Doc Holliday, uh, Billy the Kid. I was just gonna make you try to name off famous Western Calamity Jane. There you go. So characters like that uh, are who you play in Western Legends. So you assume a role of the historical figure, and you're trying to earn legendary status um either by gambling or driving cattle you can uh, mine for gold you can go rob a bank uh you can fight bandits uh you so you you either are on a marshal track where you're a good guy or you're on the was it a wanted track i think mm-hmm. um and both of those score differently which we discovered after we'd been doing it wrong 
the wanted track, depending on which row you are in the track, because it starts with one and it moves up. Um, we weren't doing it wrong, but then you decided that we were doing it wrong, so yeah, we changed yeah. it. Because uh, I read I read something wrong. But so on the wanted track, at the end of each turn, you either, if you're in the first row, you would earn one legendary point, second row it's two, third row it's three. Or no, it's not three. It's, it goes up. I don't remember exactly. It I think that's be, right. Might be one, two, and three. Uh, if you're on the Marshall track, it starts with one, and then I think it's three, and then it's six or well, something. It's at the end of the but game, But you though. only get those at the end yeah. of the game. So that's the difference there. And each time you move up on one of those tracks, you get something like money or a legendary point or So I'm not sure something. that Jeremy... Uh, Jeremy still would have won. Yeah. But he would not have won by, by so much. much. Yes. It was, I really liked the game and I liked the fact that you just kind of moved around on the board and did what you wanted. Um, however, as we were playing, we all just were like, yeah, this is a lot like Spurs, which also it does the same type of thing. It's, it's a game. I would agree that another one's like an open world uh, tabletop board game where it's a lot of little mini games yeah. mixed into one one game you see you take on a role of either the gambler the hunter actually the gambler is an expansion yes, but, it is. so there's there's the hunter there's the outlaw there's a bandit and so you take on the role of one of those and your card about your role tells you how many uh bullets that you get to put in a bag and they're different colored bullets and when you fight like desperados or bandits you can um, or other players rob other players you you determine whether or not you're successful by drawing bullets out of your bag. And like red bullets are a miss and you get you get red bullets added as you like if you get injured. Black bullets are a miss as well. Black bullets are a miss and then there's brown bullets and white bullets silver. and whatever. Well the, no, there's white and silver. The oh, white yeah, the yeah. white one's that's an right, auto hit right. and the silver is for a revolver. For a revolver. So yeah, you have and and if you at one point, there was a Kickstarter where you could get wooden bullets instead of little chits. And both Jared and I have the wooden bullets, and I really like, really like those a lot. So that you know, you can you can do that. There's cattle wrestling or cattle rustling, uh, where you can go into a ranch and there's like this little mini hex board that you put the cattle on and you roll dice to move the cattle around and you're trying to uh, corral the cattle all together, um, it, and after your rolls, you get money for however many cattle you were man you managed to round up. So that's a mini game. Um, you can go to town and you can mm -hmm. buy stuff that improves your guns or uh, can add to like your like how quickly you can move. There are different types of areas on the board, just like there would be if you're traveling around the wild, wild west. So there's like prairies and there's um, badlands and mountains. And uh, what was the other one? It was a forested area. Yeah. I don't yes. remember what they called it. But uh, moving into some of those areas is takes more movement because if you're going to move from like the prairies into the woods, it's going to be, you know, the woods are going to be a little bit more strenuous, especially if you're riding a horse. And it takes even more movement points to go up into the mountains, which makes a lot of sense. So uh, there are challenge tokens. That's how it determines like what you're going to be doing and how many points you earn and how much money you earn. Uh, so like the challenge tokens are on the different spaces, and you're trying to get to those spaces to earn legendary points and earn money or wanted tokens or whatever. Um, 
I think it's a really fun game and it's quick. So the two games are very, very similar in how, how the, like the mini game, like fighting bandits, fighting players, mining, all that kind of stuff. The two games are very similar. And I, I think Jared and I are in agreement. Uh, I personally like Spurs better. Both games are great. And I absolutely am not saying that Western Legends isn't a good game because it is. And they do have aspects of the game that are not the same. Obviously, they're not the same game. Right. Like in Western Legends, almost everything is done through poker hands. Yeah. yeah. Which I thought was really cool. I thought that was really cool. I liked that. Uh, So in that one, you've got poker cards in your hand and you determine winners of the different things you're doing by right, and you've playing got a player board yeah that you has your inventory has your horse has you have a maximum amount of money that you can hand certain handle amount of items the, your wallet can only hold so much so yeah and when you when you are like i'm not a, saying that one of them is is objectively better no. than the other uh, and there are things that i like they do stuff differently yeah i just i think if somebody said hey let's which do you want to play right now do you want to play spurs or western legends i think every time i would probably say spurs see i would say western legends now because i've played spurs a lot i mean that makes sense i still i, I don't feel like i've done everything in western legends yeah, yeah that's fair i still like spurs better and i like the art in yes. spurs oh, a yeah. whole oh, lot yeah. The art in Spurs is just thematically authentic Italian art. Yes. Spaghetti Western. Spaghetti Western Italian. It's beautiful. I love the art in Spurs, which is actually what originally drew Jared and I to the game. We were at Origins. I think it was the first year that we went to Origins together. And we walked past Mr. B's booth and spotted the art for that game and immediately drew us into the booth. So um, I, I don't know if you can still get spurs or not i don't think so yeah the mr b games website doesn't exist because the the uh, actually there is some on amazon uh are some on amazon so it, for for 45 dollars you can get it on amazon um there yeah are some on ebay as well spurs is available from his website but not through the link that's on board game geek correct so I don't know how many he has. Um, I recommend it, though. I would say if you've played Western Legends and you want to play another game similar to it, but does deal with things differently, I, I say definitely give Spurs a try. I think the reason that Spurs didn't hit the same popularity as Western Legends is because it just didn't have the same uh, company presence behind it. Yeah, there wasn't a, as much hype. Yeah, like Colossal Games did a great job at marketing Western Legends, um, but I think both games equally deserve uh, attention and 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 play. The wooden bullets are definitely sold out. Yeah, they're cool though. Love them. You know, if you know a woodworker, or you could you could probably three D print bullets as yeah. well. Oh yeah, you could absolutely do that. Yeah, they just have to be all the same, so all you can't the feel the difference. Yeah, yeah, but. Uh, I think it's a great game and I love it. And it's a game that will stay in my collection forever. It's not one that I'll ever weed out. Oh, Spurs. Yeah, no yeah. Spurs. I will is, never weed that. It'll, it great. will always be in my collection. So. Yeah, it's, you know, you don't want to play it too much because you will not necessarily key on any strategies or anything like that. Cause you kind of can't cause there's dice involved, but because the game is basically just a bunch of little mini games. 
which is not a bad thing, but just mechanically because it is, you might be like, eh, every time I, I play this, I do, I play as the hunter every time. So I just do the hunting game all the time. Or I play as the cowboy. So I just do the cowboy stuff all the time and do the, the cattle herding or, um, always the guy that does the mining. You'll, you'll get to a point where you're like, eh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe these characters, eh, I don't know. But then you can just do what I did when we, when we just played recently, um, pick a character and don't do his power. Don't do the thing that he's good at. Just right, because you don't completely ignore the strategy. Uh, just do something stupid and still completely destroy everybody. I think this time around I played the... I don't remember what I played now. Well, I played the gambler and all I did was um, fight bandits, and desperados, mine. and and did cattle herding. There's a lot of I played the gunslinger, gun so I was just good at shooting stuff. Um, I did. Had I ever fought a desperado? I did. I was supposed to get an extra five dollars mm. for every desperado card I defeated. You were doing a lot of hunting because there were stupid animal challenge tokens like everywhere on the side of the board. I was going. It was a bear and a coyote. I should have played the stupid hunter. Yeah, you should have. Uh, I think that I think that's pretty much the only thing I did was fight some bandits and lose twice. Uh, on both the times I tried to fight bandits. And you can rob a bank? Jared robbed a bank. No, Jeremy, Jeremy robbed a robbed bank. Jeremy robbed a bank, yeah. Yeah, Jeremy robbed a bank. Um, I never was able to beat any, or uh, to capture any bandits. Uh, but I did kill a bear. I, get a, I got a bear pelt and I got a coyote pelt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and you can take those to town and trade them in for money. So. Uh, yeah, you did that. I did. I did, and had I not bought stuff with that money, I probably at the end of the game there are three like uh, most tokens. There's one for whoever's the most wanted. There's one for whoever has the most money, and one for whoever has the most bullets in their bag. And I think had I not bought stuff when I was in town, I probably would have had more money. But it, I still wouldn't have won because it was only a two two additional points. Yeah. So the point spread this time was twelve, and then Jeremy and I both had six. Because um, we played this, the standard played game the is standard to ten game points. Is to 10, 10 points. Um, then there's an epic game to fifteen. No, the long game. The long one's fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. Or they call it an epic game, but uh, it's it's still a pretty quick game. Like I think even if you're playing the fifteen, you're probably even with a full amount of players, you're probably not going to go over an hour with this game. Now, see that that contrasts with Western Legends, where yeah, you could I could see that game going. So the, th- the difference there, I think, is in Spurs, there's really just not a lot of, you're not going to sit there and try to assess what you're going to do when. It's very much a, I, okay, here's my options. I can go this way or this way. And there, here, these are the challenge tokens. Uh, because the challenge tokens are what determine what you're going to be able to do. As opposed to Western Legends, you can kind of move around fairly easily on that board yeah you have to go to towns you have to go to towns and stuff but it's it's a lot easier and i think there's a lot more potential for um analysis paralysis in western legends so it the game is a little bit slower there is a little bit more downtime in between your turns but they kind of combat the downtime with the fact that if a player is going to rob a bank or if they're fighting bandits or whatever or if they're gambling the other players, like the player to the right of them will always play like the dealer or they'll play the bandits. So it kind of takes away from the downtime by including the other players in that activity. If you're in the same town as somebody that's gambling, you can actually decide to gamble with them. 
So, um, which is just playing five card poker. Yeah. I mean, there's actually almost everything in the game is resolved through, through playing some poker. sort of poker. And I liked that. And I liked the fact that it did combat, uh, the downtime between, between turns that way. So, uh, both games definitely warrant playing. Both of them are worth having in your collection. Um, but they are, I mean, they're different. They're different. I, I just feel like they're very, very similar in their gameplay. And, and in their components, because the miniatures yeah. also, uh, hmm. So in Spurs, the miniatures have these little bases that snap onto them. That yes. You, you pick your colored ring, you snap your miniature on there. In Western Legends, the miniatures have little plastic rings that snap onto the bases. The Western Legends ones are a little bigger than the... Uh, Spurs ones, but it's, other it's than the that, exact they're just same. injection molded um, miniatures. But yeah. I like the fact that they have miniatures and not like chits or whatever. They move sure. Around. I think that's cool. Uh, both games have really nice components, except for Spurs has garbage money. The money is one-sided. It looks like photocopied onto glossy paper. Yeah. Uh, so the money yeah. is total garbage. Jeremy spent most of the game trying, trying to, to find, find Old West money. Trying to find Old West money that we could buy for the game. Because every time I play the game, I'm like, oh, I should buy better money for this. And then I don't think about it again until I play the game again. Um, something I also found interesting was in the rule book for Western Legends, they do thank Mr. B Games. I think that's their way of saying like, Hey, sorry for stepping on your toes here. Maybe. Or maybe Sean, I think, yeah, Sean Brown from Mr. Mm -hmm. B Games. It's possible that he contributed to he might like, have. I don't play know. testing or something. I don't know. Um, but there was a thank you to them, too. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. Well, that was Western Legends from Colossal and Spurs from Mr. B Games. Yep. And we still have yet another Wild oh, Wild West game oh, to talk about. Oh, and John D has a lot to say about I this. I do. I do have a lot to say about this. All right. Van Ryder Games. You may be familiar with them. We've talked about some of their other stuff. Hostage we Negotiator. Have, yes. They put out a Wild West game a few years ago called Saloon Tycoon. Um, if you've ever played like Rampage slash Terror in Meeple City or that AEG game about building pagodas called pagoda yeah you're going to be familiar with arguably the main concept of the game here which it's is constructing top, your yeah. yeah and the way you do that well in, in terrell maple city you can they come constructed you're knocking them down well, but right. it's still putting chips on chits on top of uh little cubes and that's the main mechanic of the game you're yeah. building your saloon so you buy these tiles you start with one but you buy tiles you buy supply cubes they're supposed to be like walls but yeah in the game they're called supply cubes functionally they are pillars that support additional layers because once you've completed a room you can then put another one on top of it mm -hmm. which is pretty dang cool however i like the game well i liked i enjoyed playing it there it's a like tile placement so it's almost all like tile placement and um, there's some card, card management, card, the BGG says card drafting, but it's not so much drafting. Well, you don't choose to draft them because if you're doing too well in the game, bad stuff happens to you and yes. you're forced to take cards. Yes. So like there, there are characters in the town and they don't come to your saloon until you complete whatever room would attract them to your saloon. So like uh, the widow 
won't come to your saloon unless you have the luxury guest room. Or there's a senator that only comes to your saloon if you have a brothel. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a school teacher that only comes if you have the school room. There's, uh, I'm just going to straight up call him an alcoholic because he, he only comes to your saloon if you have a whiskey still. Yeah. But then there's bad guys. There's outlaws. So like, yeah, there's like Sydney Smythe. Yeah. The uh, first person that gets a citizen through like normal means also gets Sydney Smythe, a bad guy. Or, and the theme is like, if you got patent tr- patrons, then you got potential buyers of my famous snake oil. Or snake you could, oil uh, you could have a lady that comes there because you built your, you built your saloon too much. Cause she goes where the party is. Yeah. And it says never met a bottle she didn't like. So she's an alcoholic too. Well, it is the, the old West. Yep. And John D., uh, you've never watched Deadwood. Correct. I have not. The recently aired TV movie that ends the series was real good. So in this game, you are trying to, you you start the game with uh, goals, like secret goals that you're trying to achieve that nobody else knows what they are. And then there are also like community public goals that you're also trying to achieve and you get points for all those different things. Now, since none of us had played the game before and we had to, like, you draw four and pick two at the beginning of the game. And I had never played the game before, so I was just like, oh, this one's a lot of points and this one sounds like it would be easy to do. Um, Had I played the game before, I might have chosen at least one of my cards I would have chosen differently. Yeah, I would have picked something different. But it's also really cool because you start watching what people are collecting and then you try to, like, figure out, like, I was collecting uh, male characters and... Jared and Jeremy were sure that it was because I had the brothel. So obviously I needed male characters, but really it was only because I had the widow, whatever the widow has nothing to do with the brothel. She's in your luxury suite. And I, I thematically, I think that the male characters are trying to like woo the widow. So I, I got an additional two points for any male character I had at the end of the game. Good guy, like, or citizen or outlaw, either one. So, the di- you know, the different goals, I think, are kind of cool. I like that aspect of the game a lot. And there's a lot. There's a lot of them. Yeah. So, it's not like you're going to go, well, there's only eight of these, so I know which one you probably have. So, we only played with the components from the base game, but there is a ranch expansion. There's um, there's a Kickstarter expansion that's called, like, like a Welcome sc- to Boomtown or something like yeah, that. Yeah, because there's, know like, a is. scorpion farm that you can have. Yeah, there's, some, there's some weird stuff. Yeah, and then the, you and then the card, their cards that you just have in your hand, and they let you do various things, um, like get more gold or get more actions in a turn. So, uh, you know, the game's pretty straightforward. I like it. It's it's quick play. It's it, there's it's pretty fun. Um, there are a few glaring issues, at least as far as I'm concerned, that yeah, are D- almost deal breakers for me. They may be, I, I have to distance myself from it before I decide for sure, but right now they feel like deal breakers to me. Um, this is not a fair statement to John D, but she kind of threw a fit a little bit because... A little bit, I did. And normally I love <sighs> games that have pl- uh, player versus player stuff. I, I was, I've, I've been having some major back problems lately and my back was really hurting that day and it was stuffy in the room. So I think the two things mixed together made me get real grouchy. Uh, so I did get grouchy and normally I really love take that game. So, uh, and I normally don't much care for that kind of thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, and usually I do. Like, usually I'm like, oh, you attacked me? Sweet, I'm going to attack you next turn. And I just got grouchy, so I apologize for that. But I still don't think my opinion has anything to do with that because I still, I liked the take back aspect of the game and I think it was it was well done. Because uh, basically there are ways to move characters around and you can, like, oh, I have this character that takes things away from you and I'm going to play this card and now I'm going to give you this character. Um, so it's not like super mean take that, but it's definitely there. The glaring issues for me is the way the game ends. Well, there's more to it than that. So here's the main rub. This was, this was your, your fit was driven by the fact that you have these tycoon cards that you can play as an action that do various things. So like, it might be like, okay, you play this card and then you can do two actions. And one of those actions is build the saloon and then what, whatever. Some of the cards are take gold or move a character to another player. So on, on my turns, I was getting a lot of money because I started with some cards that let me get gold early in the game. So I got the negative point guys early in the game. And then I played a card to move the negative point guys off of myself and Johnny was giving me crap about how I was doing so well in the game. So I was like, okay, let me, let me move this guy to you. That makes it hard for you to get money. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that kind of set her off. Cause she was like, okay, well, what am I supposed to do now? I can never get money. And Jeremy and I were both like, okay, Johnny, look at your hand. Look at the cards that you have. Can you a move the guy B play a card to get money? Well, she ended up being fine. She ended up having. I did. I ended up having I ended a nice recovery. I did, uh, but that really wasn't my. I got grouchy there, but you know, honestly, that was just stemmed from the fact that I was not feeling all that great. Those cards are problematic because you can manipulate. You can really change. You can manipulate cards. your hand in such a way. I, that you I can, think that there. I honestly think there should be a limit on how many cards you can play in a round or something like that. Uh, but I don't. That's not the. That's not the game. The the. Well, there there is. It's supposed to be one card. But if you play a card that lets the you play chains, two cards, yeah, I, th- I think there should be a limit on how many. Or you play a card that lets you build a thing, and then when right. you build the thing, that lets you play a card, and you've played the card that lets you build more yeah, things. Yeah. And that... uh, but honest, that still wasn't the deal breaker for me. Uh, the deal breaker came in how the game ends, and while it makes sense, so in the very last turn. You cannot move a character and you like from one player to another. You can't steal a character, nor can you even attract a character uh, that hasn't come into the town by building a room. So that part, I think, would be fine if they changed how an endgame works. But this game, if like whoever triggers the endgame, then you just... Each player, I believe, other than that person, gets one more turn. Mm -hmm. And so, but that one more turn is almost pointless because you can't attract a new player to your town or a new character to your town. You can't move characters. It's very, very limited on what you can do. Right. uh, It's designed for you to finish up whatever building situation you have to get those extra points. Because if you finish a large tile, that's seven points. Right. But that's it. I honestly think that the way that the end game trigger should work is you finish that round and then everybody gets one last turn, in which case a player still gets their one last chance to like move characters around or whatever. And then there's that last round that's very limiting to finish things. I honestly 
honestly think that that's the way it should be done. And I'm not saying that because I'm all butthurt because I didn't get to do what I want to do. I'm just saying that I think that that would be a better way of handling endgame. See, I absolutely 100% disagree because if that were the rules, what would you guys have done that last turn? You would have spent all of your money using the bribe action to send those negative points to me. Nope. I had a card that would have let me move a character from one to another, and that's all I wanted to do. (laughs) But where would you have? You would have put that on me. No, I would have put it on myself. Oh, I see what you're saying. You you wanted to get... I see what you're saying. I mean, saying. I still would have liked to have finished a building, and had I been able to... we've Had we finished that round, and then had one final turn, I would have been able to do that, and then I probably would have been able to build a, a, a one last building. Or what, at least add one last room. Hmm. I, I Well, get, you were also building the wrong way. I mean, you weren't, like, breaking any rules, but... So I was building up. You were building out. Well, and there was a reason I did it that way. Um, just for the fact that I had cards that allowed me to do certain things if I, if I wasn't, if I, if I got rooms at a certain time and at those times that I got those rooms, I couldn't, I didn't have the pillars to move up. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I could have handled building differently, but again, losing the game wasn't, isn't my issue. I lose games almost like 90% of the time we play. So I'm used to losing. To me, it's just, I don't like the way the game ended and that may be a deal breaker for me. I have to distance myself from the, from the, when we played it and then maybe go back one last time and see how I feel the next time I play. But for me, that's right now a deal breaker. Like if you ask me tomorrow, Hey, let's play saloon tycoon. I would say absolutely not. Hmm. Okay. And I'm not saying that it's not a good game. It, it is. There's a lot of really fun aspects to it. It just might not be the game for me. Well, so so here's here's the trigger that ends the game is the last general supply cube is taken. Now, in a three player game, I think it's like 60 cubes or something like that. Yeah, something like that. And you can see when the supply is oh, getting yeah. low. Yeah. It's not like you don't know the supply isn't low. Yeah. So. I mean, you you should not wait until the final round to finish any of the tiles or move citizens around. Right. But, you know, when you look at the the cube supply and you're like, all right, there's four cubes left in there. You don't know for sure that the player right before you is going to buy four cubes. In right. Turn. But, but yeah, you but can you also guess know that. that there's there's not many turns left in the game. That's true. I mean, I'm not saying that you don't have warning. I'm just saying I really how it's handled just soured me. I'm not saying that it's, that there's not a reason for it. I'm not the game designer. They may have play tested it the way I liked it and it didn't work out well. Well, John D, if you buy it, then you can I could house rule it. I could. I, although I'm not a big fan of house rules. Um, they also make me grouchy. <laughs> I get, uh, in, in role playing games, I get real triggery when people want to house rule role playing games, but that's a whole other subject. The most that I will do for house ruling is, if a officially licensed third-party company has put out a source book, I will allow that. And if you want to change something thematic about how a power works, but not mechanically. Right. Like if you have magic missile and your character says, well, I don't want my, I want my magic missile to look like every time I use it, when I cast it, I, I want to, instead of casting it from an open palm, cast it from a fist. And right, it's a, right. It's a spectral fist that flies yeah, out of my... Sure, that's absolutely. That's I awesome. Don't, I don't like house rules that change... Well, I have magic missile and um, my character has a higher intelligence stat, so actually I get to roll a d8 instead of a d4. 
Yeah. No, no, no. House rules that change mechanics really, they, they literally they'll trigger me. Like they'll make me grouchy and house rules ruin make Monopoly me get, and Uno. They make me get butt hurt. I'll admit it. Um, and if my fellow admins for the, uh, role playing game that, that I run online are, are ever listening, they would be going, Oh yeah, she totally gets oh, mad. Chris doesn't listen to this. He has listened a couple times, no. but, um, he, they would be like, yeah, she totally gets mad because we've gotten in many an argument over house rule stuff. And then I get outvoted. I'm going to derail the podcast to talk about the same thing that you're talking about. You almost lost. <laughs> be careful, Jondi. Uh, so for years, I played with the same D&D group for years. Yeah. And occasionally we'd be like, okay, let's try to bring in a friend. Let's see if they're a good match, whatever. For years. So one time we had a guy come in who played as a magic using character and was a halfling and decided, okay, tensor's floating disc. So the way that this spell works is it's, have you watched Static Shock? Mm, the, the old cartoon. The from cartoon like, yeah. based on I remember the that. DC characters. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he wanted to use Tensor's floating disc as a thing that you can ride on, like a la Static Shock. Mm-hmm. Tensor's floating disc, the actual use of that spell is, crap, we just killed this dragon. Let's cut off its head. I can't carry it. You can't carry it. Let's just put it on the Tensor's floating disc and it'll carry itself. Okay. And it stays 10 feet behind you and... That's all it's for. There was like a three hour long argument about whether or not you could ride on Tensor's floating disc. (laughs) Spoilers, guys, you cannot. It stays 10 feet behind you. It follows you because it's a wheelbarrow. It's a magic wheelbarrow. Magic wheelbarrow. Yeah. (laughs) But there was this just huge back and forth of like, okay, well, it, it occupies a five foot area. So we can put two halflings on it and just ride across the trapped floor. You could, if one of those two halflings is not also the spellcaster, because again, it's 10 feet behind you. So yeah, Jondi, I know your pain. Well, not your back pain that you're experiencing that almost right. made you break everything, but. Yeah, but yeah, it's, it, it's, it triggers me. I'll admit it. Well, anyway, Saloon Tycoon, Van Rider Games. Yeah. I loved it. Jondi hated it. No, I didn't hate it. Oh my God. I totally didn't play. In fact, until, until I got upset at the, you know, literally like not when I got grouchy, but at the end of the game, that's, that's the only thing that really was a deal breaker for me. The rest of the game I thought was a really solid, fun game to play. So Jared, is there any Kickstarters that you wanted to talk about this week? Um, yeah, sorry. Hang on. My, my watch just told me that all the reminders on my phone are deleted. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know what happened. It's fine. Um, yes. Hello. Kickstarters. Hello, everyone. So we talked about Colossal Games. We did. Earlier. Well, if you like Colossal Games, then you'll love Colossal Games. New game. (laughs) Yeah. So they have a Kickstarter up right now. It's actually a relaunch of a Kickstarter that had some issues. So Kickstarter itself uh, suspended it, but it's back on. It's It's a butterfly game. Yeah, it's called Papillon, and it is, I've seen them demoing it at a couple of conventions, so I've seen it on the table, and this game has amazing table presence. Yeah, it has 3D flowers. And you actually, like, put the butterflies butterflies on on the flowers, and it's, this game has a lot of table presence. I... I really, really think that this could be, is a, could be a fun game. Obviously, I haven't played it, but 
um, if I end up having the budget for it, I'm, I'm definitely gonna gonna jump in on this one. So how does this game work, Jondi? Uh, well, let me tell get... me about the uh, the bidding phase, the drafting phase, the gardening phase, and the butterfly phase. Well, it's a tile drafting game. And my computer or my iPad is not loading the rest of it up. So why wow. don't you do that? Um, okay. Yeah. It's a, it honestly, the, the board's real small, but the majority of what you're going to be doing is on the, the butterflies anyway. Um, so yeah, you, there's some tiles go out and you bid on the tiles. You draft the tiles to build a garden and then the butterflies that you have are attracted to the type of the flowers that you've drafted and built. Um, it, it's like in Carcassonne where when you're building a farm, when you're building the, the fields, they have to be connected to each other and the, the towns have to be connected to each other, except um, instead of those things that have those features, it's flowers. So you get butterflies based on the garden that you've completed with the tiles based on how many of the flowers are connecting to other flowers. Long story short, what you want to do is collect a whole bunch of flowers so that you can put your butterflies on the 3d flowers. Yep. How was that? John? <laughs> so I obviously I haven't played the game, but I think that this is a game that probably has a lot of strategy to it. But I don't think it sounds like it's a game that's going to be hard to learn. No. So it's going to be a really accessible strategy game. So the base game comes with a bunch of butterflies that you clip onto the flowers, a bunch of tiles, the little game board that's honestly just for the auction phase, and a bunch of tokens. So there's, there's garden gnomes and caterpillars, and then there's some meeples. However, don't buy that. Buy the deluxe version that comes with 50 caterpillar meeples. And wooden garden gnome meeples. Yep. Oh, no, with a sticker sheet, so they're not Well, they're not printed, screen printed, no. But still, they're garden gnomes! Yeah, so stretch goal-wise, um, it's it's new cards and then, like, a bag. A screen printed bag, yeah. Yeah. So they aren't, like, stretch goals. We're going to be like, oh, I... I and, and those stretch goals actually will go into the retail version of the game as well as the uh, limited edition or whatever. So it's not like you're trying to reach stretch goals that'll only go in the Kickstarter edition or something like that. So my understanding was that the the butterfly capsules, as they're calling them, the little storage trays for the butterflies, I understood those to be exclusive, along with the collector's edition box. Right. Um, but that may be incorrect. Um... It looks like if you look at what you get with the with the um, garden pledge level, you get. It looks like there's an expansion that you also get exp- uh, beyond the meadow. Yes, I think that's that one is. Hmm. Because that's included that will in be your, available in retail for sure. Uh, yeah, because this has uh, in the garden pledge level for thirty nine dollars, you get. Uh, Papillon, and you also get Papillon Beyond the Meadow, and you get the butterfly clips, and you get the little butterflies, you get stand-up flowers, 94 flower tiles, a game board, 66 tokens, 
50 caterpillar tokens. Oh, yeah, that's part of the the 66 tokens is the, the, the gnomes plus the yeah. caterpillars plus the so four, bonus. So a stretch goal upgrade would be, if, if they reach the stretch goal, is going to be four gardener meeples with a sticker sheet. And then the other stretch goal that they haven't reached yet is a screen-printed cloth tile bag. And all of that is included. The things that are different between the... Uh, $39 pledge level or the $55 pledge level um, is those caterpillar meeples and yep. the garden gnome meeples. Um, I don't see, because then the other one just says includes everything mm, in yeah, the I garden so. pledge, all unlocked beyond. Uh, yeah, but I'm getting those caterpillars. Oh, yeah. If I if I have the budget to back this, yeah, I want, I, I'm going to back. But we've already said a million times when we're talking about Kickstarters that if there's only like a 15 or $20 difference, yeah. if you've got the money, always go for the, the limited edition or Kickstarter edition of the game. Uh, unless you live in Brazil, and then the shipping is $60. Yeah, but you're probably so used to that if you live in Brazil. So. Yikes. But anyway, so uh, that's the Wiki Wiki Wild Ball Bus. Jim West, Desperado, Rough Rider. No, you don't want not in none of this. Six gun in this. Brother in this. Buffalo Soldier. And it's like I told you. So, uh, Any damsel that's in distress should be out of that dress. Yep. With some so, Jared, until next huh? time. What's that? Until next time. Until next time, Johnny, you can eat shit and dice. Chit and Dice is an independent production of Swin Media and is distributed under a Creative Commons license, attribution, non-commercial, share alike, 4.0, international.